0: You are listening to Talking Sense with the Ninja Rob
1: Podcast, featuring Marco Perrazzo and guests. Welcome to the latest installment of Talking Sense. Uh, this is brought to you by the Ninja Rob Podcast. I am Marco Parazzo, the host of this show. Uh, If you are new to Ninja Rob or to the uh, Talking Sense, this Talking Sense installment, uh, please give us a follow, subscribe, like, give us a review, follow us on social media, all that good stuff. Uh, Now, remember, at the end of this interview, I will be giving you two key takeaways, uh, one from myself, one from Jay, and enjoy Talking Sense. Well, here, here we are. Not second, not third, not four. it's like, well, what did LeBron say? Five, six, <laughs> seven, world championships with the with the Miami heat but uh, i 'm I'm here with Jay Regalbudo I, I met Jay in March of two thousand and sixteen. I had to go back to the internet and, and see when, uh, when, when we met when we shared commentary duties on a uh, I believe it was a blue yeti snowball microphone that 's <laughs> yes, <did>. right <laughs> we, we, shared, yeah, uh, we had to share that microphone and. That event was pretty stacked. If I don't, if, if I recall correctly, Palestine, was on that card. Palestine I remember. Booth, Booth maybe. Yeah, Booth was on but, that card. I, and I saw some of the heavy hitters were there too yeah. to help their juniors, for as, sure, as, so to speak. But uh, we we shared duties that day, and apparently I wasn't good enough to continue to 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 do that kind of stuff. And Jay's uh, become a professional commentator almost for the professional grappling service, circuit. Work for Flow Grappling. Work, man. You you're working for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's awesome. Congratulations. I think like I think I helped you. I, I helped catapult your career there.
0: That's where it seemed like it all started.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. So over the years, I've uh, since I've met Jay, I've repeated this one term about him that I that I think really encapsulated him. He's like he's one of the good guys. And when when you when you hear that term, you know you you don't know what what to think of it. Is he soft? And clearly, he's not. But it's one of those guys that you're just always happy to see, but you're always excited to see his success. You want to see guys like Jay uh, succeed because they do it the right way. And they're doing it with people and they're doing it with uh, with heart. And they understand that uh, this is so passionate to a lot of people and you could see the passion, the, the passion that he brings. You know, one of Jay's biggest successes is Nicky Rod, a guy that – A.k.a. the Black Belt Slayer, a.k.a. Nicky Rod. I don't know what other (laughs) nicknames he he has right now. Uh, But I think you might have been one of the few people that saw his potential very early on because I had heard rumblings that he had been at this place and at that place and – Maybe didn't stick, and for whatever reason, uh, you saw something in Nicky Rod. And uh, I I jokingly call him the Benjamin Button of of grappling because every time somebody (laughs) talks about him, he's got less and less experience. Um, (laughs) But you saw it, and you helped guide his path to basically a rookie winning silver medal at uh, at ADCC. And off air, Jay and I were talking about some things, and I, I doubt that. You're probably compensated very at all For most of this coaching that you do And there's another reason that makes you one of the good guys Because you're doing it Out of love and A passion for the sport But also like we talked about earlier You have goals that you want to reach And you want your your athletes and and competitors To to reach those goals So it's really the the main reason That I have you on is number one I think you're an awesome dude You do a great job but to pick your brain and talk to you about the deeper ideas of jiu-jitsu, you know, where you're coming from, where you're going, how you answer certain things. And at the end, we're going to cover a couple of fun questions that Jay pulled up to the school today and he thought he was going to get whacked. He was coming here to get made. And for those of you that saw Goodfellas, he had a to- to- he thought he was Tommy for a second. Jay, did I miss anything, Jay? Have I have gotten everything? You J- got it, yeah. I think. All right. So... <laughs> Know thyself is an ancient concept going back much further than Socrates. What has jiu-jitsu taught you about yourself?
0: Um, I had taken some notes, just wrote a couple keywords down. And uh, it's taught me uh, a few different things. Um, I think, uh, and, and it's funny because it took a really long time for me to kind of realize these kind of things and uh achievability that if you really, really put your work and effort and heart into something that you actually can accomplish something great. Um I was never a, a great competitor or anything like that. I wasn't from a school that was a lineage of champions or anything like that. Um so for what I've been, you know, and again, I, I, I got to credit all the athletes more than anything, but um, just being able to coach somebody in these crazy situations like ADCC and the PFL with Amanda and who's number one in these different uh, situations and knowing that I, I helped, you know what I mean? Knowing that I helped them game plan, helped them get ready, help them, you're, you know, get a, to You're these, a
1: piece of the success.
0: Yeah, a piece of the, the success, like. It made me realize that man, you can achieve like great things with just effort, man, and 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 focus. And I'm like I said, I'm nobody in jujitsu. I never, you know what I mean. Like it was. Well, I mean that's, that's it quickly changing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's and and that's a thing that you know, jiu-jitsu showed me.
1: So um, you, you can't see them, but it's almost like you get a little ner- not nervous. I do like saying Yeah, yeah, yeah no, no, I don't no. like talking get, about no, it. <laughs> no, no, no. But you look, man. There's people that gravitate to you. And stick with you because of the, this magnetism that, that, you're, that you're putting forth. And it's awesome that you have, I don't want to say shyness, but you're, you're, you're not out there boasting about it. Yeah. Right?
0: But, yeah, yeah you can just not, see it. It's, not, it's but, not something I like talking about. But uh, it was definitely something that jiu-jitsu has taught me because it's not just in this. It's in life in general, too. Um, patience. Jiu-jitsu has, has taught me patience. It has a lot to do with that achievability. That it is, it is hard work, and it's it's you know try and fail, and it's you know just really believing that what you're doing is right, and if you keep you know moving in that right direction, that you you can accomplish the achievability with the patience.
1: So I'm going to assume that this you know like some of these uh, ideas that you thought that you could achieve have changed over the years. Like your first five years, I could achieve this. The last five years, I've achieved that. You know like what. What have you achieved, say, in the last three to four years that you're like, man, you know what? This is my hard work. Athlete aside, right? Yeah. And we know a- yeah. – athlete aside. Like what if – so yeah. when, when we're telling the people that you're like, this is the biggest thing that you learned about yourself is achievability. So yeah. b- brag a little bit. So, so th- the
0: commentary. Yeah, totally. I didn't even think about the commentary part of it. <laughs> um, so I, I love commentary and I'm going to be honest, man, commentary, I think helped me, uh, learn as much, uh, about competitive jujitsu as anything. And, uh, I really, you know, I really put my heart out there. And when I'm doing commentary, like when you're hearing emotion, like it's as real as it gets, like I'm getting excited seeing that, uh, that in front of me and, uh, being, uh, you know, when I, I did ADCC trials in 2016. And right after that, um, flow asked me to do fight to win. And, uh, ever since that, um, I really, uh, uh, fell in love with actual commentary and really thought like, man, if this is in the area, like I just want to do it. And, uh, started getting, you know, picking up a lot of things, uh, a lot of different gigs. But, uh, as far as, you know, What I've achieved, uh, I've been able to do the BJJ Fanatics, uh, Gordon Downey uh, uh, one that was really fun, Uh, Who's Number One, was an amazing experience. You're you're a
1: sought-after commentator now. Yeah, yeah, people, people reach out to
0: you. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I haven't been reaching out. People have been reaching out, and which is a really, really cool thing. And especially when it's like the people or the shows that are I'm watching, like if I'm not <laughs> right, right, if you, if you weren't commenting, if I wasn't commenting, I would yeah. be watching it. Uh, and um, yeah, I, I another thing that I, I do have coming up that I'm I'm really proud of, and I think it not only the commentary but my coaching, and again. Uh, I think just uh, per- my persistence with this sport is I'm actually for this trials coming up. I'm going to be a judge for nice. the ADCC trials. Uh, Flo had asked me 6th. to, yeah, Flo had okay. asked me about a commentary and uh, uh, I had talked to Mo. I had done the, uh, Mo Jasmine who runs the trials in the, in the world championships. And uh, I went out and did a referee's uh, certification and, uh, Ends up they, they really need us for these uh these trials coming up. So that's something that was like like I don't wanna call these bucket lists because I don't wanna stop doing them. Right. You right, know, right, but yeah. like I've like being able to do the commentary at these high levels and now getting to do this uh this trials like for me it's you know, these are my gold medals. <laughs>
1: I got, no, and these it's funny. These are my little wins. I,
0: how old are you? Forty three.
1: You're forty three. So yeah. I'm looking at you, and you're you're like you're giddy right yeah. now. You're smiling, right? Like <laughs> Very I can hardly excited about I, it. I, I can hardly see your eyes. You're smiling so big, right? Also behind the beard, your big your beard is huge. Uh, but you're forty three. But the, the jujitsu is bringing out a, this oh. vibrancy, right? Not that forty three is old by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. But you're smiling just talking about it.
0: Yeah. I'm excited to train when I can train now. Like I you know, it's just uh I don't know. This uh it's like since in this last like couple years, man, I've just fell in love with the sport all over again and this and it's funny, like I was I had fallen in love with the teaching side of it for so long. Uh and I think there's a big difference between not a big difference between teaching curriculum and coaching athletes is two very very different things i feel one's
1: an athlete right and
0: uh you know i did that for like 15 years of of just the teaching and uh um just the coaching aspect of it over the last few years has just been an incredible experience for me but incredibly gratifying you know experience
1: and you've been training for how long Since 2006. So that puts – that's 15 years ago. That puts you about 26, 27 when you started? Yeah, 26, yeah. All right. So – when you were 18, was this even on the horizon? So I wrestled. I wrestled from
0: when I was four till I was about 20. Okay. I didn't go to college, but I still wrestled at like Mawas and okay. stuff like that. And it's funny because I did better in tournaments after I graduated high school in the Mawas than I was doing in high school. I still did okay in high school. I was average. Got I mean, I was above average, but did good.
1: But going back to that 18-year-old and, kid, the senior in high school, right? God. And. and Knowing what you know now, if you could turn back the time and talk to that kid, young young eighteen year old J Regal Budo, yes, what would you what would you tell yourself?
0: All right, one focus on health. I don't think we realize how vulnerable we are in our young twenties, and our early twenties. Yep, yep. Yeah, I would have. Uh, I would definitely say focus on the on the health leading through, and that way we ain't playing catch up at our late twenties. Um, focus on happiness. Focus on happiness, and even if it means being selfish to be happy, career-wise, life.
1: Right. And something I do notice is that I'm always seeing on your Instagram or Facebook, you you go to wrestling with your kid, taking them to the movies, stuff with with your family. So you you definitely don't lose out on any of that stuff.
0: No. Well, let's go back to that eighteen-year-old
1: yeah. kid. So you would tell him take care of his body better.
0: Take care of your body, because we only get one. Right. And
1: man, when that thing starts failing. <laughs> so how how would you how what exactly would you do differently, or how would you say, oh, "Hey, do gosh. do this, this, and this to to prevent X, Y, and Z"?
0: Yeah, it, honestly, I would just eat. More protein, way more protein, okay. and I would lift more. Not lift heavy, just lift lightweights a couple days a week.
1: So you'd bring the Nikki Rod lifting DVD that's it, to him? man. Yeah.
0: That's it. Lightweight, <laughs> high-protein it just it just works and uh works for me at least right. but uh, yeah i would put a huge focus on health at that early age cuz i think not only me but i think a lot of people use that time to fall off and find bars and party and yeah, it was that yeah. gap from 18 to 26 that i had to make up for
1: right but it also it also informs who you are today right yeah. you're like all right i made those choices i squeezed that out of me i can do the things with my kids and my athletes and and guide them and say Hey, I'm having these issues now because I didn't do what I'm telling you to do now.
0: Yep. Yeah, exactly.
1: So I suspect I might know the answer, but you'll give me some clarity here. Tell me about your worst moment.
0: (sighs) Oh, dude, you want to know what? I'll I'll be honest. I, uh, I don't have many bad days. I'm, I'm very lucky. Um, I, I I'm going to be honest. My worst moment was a few months ago when okay. I stepped on the scale and saw what I weighed. All right. You know, that I, was that was a rough one for me. I like I said, I don't you know, that's a little too too dark to talk about worst moment, but uh the uh I was yeah, I was I was very upset with myself. I was very disappointed in myself. Um one because I work with all these amazing athletes on a daily basis, right. and uh, it was just every excuse in the book to why I was I was just focusing on them. i you know I don't have time to actually you know, meal prep, Let's do. I'm running from five in the morning till ten at night, on one, you know, brother, what I mean? I know and, yeah. and, and and in my head, uh, you know, I'm. Um, trying to make that all sound like anything but I'm a coach so I 100% know that's an excuse right. every single thing I'm saying is just not true right.
1: it's, it's, it wasn't a it wasn't a priority
0: right Right. When you're it wasn't a priority at that. all now, and it should have been I got a young son I got you know what I mean? I have a lot of people that were dependent on me. I got a business. I have a wife that you know what I, I mean? mean. You
1: likely you're Italian, right? You yeah. likely walk by pizza like yeah. right? You I ain't kidding, man. <laughs>
0: Especially when I found out a box of pizza's only like fifteen hundred calories. <laughs> it, it sounds so bad. So, but honestly that was that was a really uh that was, that was rough for me, especially being like where people are in a situation where they're looking at me in, a, in an athletic standpoint, and I totally don't look like I should be involved in athletic sports at all. Right. Yeah, it was hard for me but to, you, were, so you know.
1: You, I haven't seen you face-to-face in, in a long time. Yeah. And like I said to you off-air, I was like, man, you look phenomenal, and I don't want to throw numbers out, but you know the amount of weight that you've lost in the short period of time is, yeah. to me, kudos to you. So. You, you've turned your worst moment into, into- likely a really good moment.
0: Yeah, I'm so excited with training. I've had to really, and you know what? I, I've used my neck as an excuse to not train for a long time. And, you know, uh, now that I'm dealing with the, the athletes a lot less uh, and I have time to be selfish for myself, man, I find myself just dying to get in there to train and realizing that I can train in a way where my neck is protected and I don't have to worry about getting hurt because I'm, you know, I'm able to pick and choose who I'm training with. Well,
1: I was going to ask you, like, what do you, so from uh, somebody that might be struggling with their Wait, what have, what have you done recently to, to be able to drop the, the yeah. pounds that you've dropped so
0: I know I know that it doesn't work for everybody but uh, I started intermittent fasting okay but I, I do intermittent fasting um, in not a strict way because I do have a protein shake in the morning that breaks my fast okay um, but then I only do one large meal in the afternoon but it's tons of protein rice vegetables uh, where it's like a 15 1600 uh, calorie and then I do a shake at night so I do an intermittent fasting with food and then just do a couple shakes. But then I started working out at least three times a week with just light weights and, and riding an a exercise bike. And then I started training again. And honestly, at the size I was, it was, you know, the weight fell off much, uh, you know, very – I lost 70 pounds in like a couple months. And uh, now it's tailed off. But now I see the, you know, the muscle building, my chest right. getting bigger. And like now I'm seeing results and you feel physically. Good? And I feel good. Clothes are still getting lighter. I feel – I, I – Wife's give me that sh- eye. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I honestly am upset that I waited this long to do it.
1: Hey, man. But you know what? You're doing it now. Yeah. Right. And and also showing your athletes when they feel like they have a sticking point or when they're not happy with something, saying, "Look, you know, my coach puts his his, uh, his what's it, money where his mouth is. Right. They're no longer putting the food there. Yeah. He's putting it." The- <laughs> So a lot of times we have to lead by example because I completely understand where you're coming from. Because a lot of times you're caught up teaching, you're caught up coaching, you run a business, I run a business. So it's easy to just eat like crap yeah. and, and, and use that, like you said, as an excuse. But when you have family and you have responsibilities and people look to you to a leader, well, who, who do they want to look up to? Do they want to look up to a J-Rigal Buddha that's in good shape or one that's not? Right? Who do you want them to see? Yeah. Yeah. I
0: feel more respected. Yeah. This, uh, you know what I mean? No, in, I completely in, in get it. Shape.
1: So, speaking of your athletes, right? And your, and your high level competitors, you know, why did you start training high level competitors?
0: So, it was kind of out of necessity. <laughs> okay. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. It wasn't anything that, like, uh, that like happened before Nick. Uh, Amanda Levy had been working with me for a bit. She she had you know moved around from school to school, um, but it's tough for a female. And it's funny because I really uh, I had worked with uh, um, plenty of people who competed on a, a much smaller local level. Lowing, you know what I mean?
1: Industries, but, yeah, quest, but right. they're
0: not winning advanced divisions right. or anything like that. So um, Amanda had an EBI coming up. I'm pretty sure it was her EBI. Yeah. And we had known each other just through competition, me doing commentary. And uh, she had come down to get some rounds with some of the females uh, that we had there. And I, you know, we just started working back and forth with the, uh, you know, going over EB, EBI overtime and just working on some different things. And uh, it was, she was the first person I actually really worked with. And she already had a jujitsu coach. Like I wasn't her coach. I was just able to like work with her and help her, but being around her kind of let me see what it actually takes and what it's like to have a, a high level athlete around um then entered uh, Nicky Rod and uh he was you could, listen, and I understand, like, he did bounce, you know, he would only spend a day in a school because he, you know, he's been asked not to come back places, and I get it. It's He is a lot to handle. He wasn't trying to hurt anybody, but he all he knew how to do was an arm bar and a knee bar.
1: And a can opener from the guard.
0: And a can opener from the guard, <laughs> but he would just propel his giant body right yeah. over you, grab your arm, and so... um Steve, Bongiorno, who I'm black belt under at South Jersey BJJ had uh he was like, "Man, I you know, I'm not sure what to do with this kid. He's uh he's a lot." And listen, even he he was he's a different kind of athlete like right off the bat. So he he could walk into an advanced class and run the table with literally no experience. He was just that athletic. Right. And it's nothing against jiu-jitsu. He's the he's just a uh, he's, he's different. He's he the outlier. A, yeah, yeah. Um, so I had saw him, he had done a class and he had come in on a Wednesday night and I saw him train like one time he did like one round and it was just all over the guy and I called him off and I said, man, if you're really serious about this, you should come to my 6am classes because my 6am classes, while they weren't like, um, you know many competitors in there. It was an incredibly tough room. I had a lot of Ricardo Almeida guys that would come down because my friend uh, Luke uh, Zaman, who does, uh, he's like my leg lock guy. He's always down there, and it became a really competitive room, and, uh, and brought Nick into that, man, and that's just kind of where it all got started. And then... Once the ball got started with Nick, it started kind of pulling other competitors who were not in the same situation but similar where, you know, they're not getting what they're wanting out of – they want competition more than their schools are able to provide, right? right? But you're talking white belts and blue belts, but it was attracting them over – and I had another uh, another wrestler that had come on. So it was kind of like a group of really talented athletes just kind of started showing up. Okay. You know? And I had done commentary, so I understand how to win uh, jiu-jitsu matches. I understand what works in competition. I understand what doesn't work. Not to the level I do now. I realized that I was... Tch- I feel like I'm 10 times smarter now than I was then. But anyway, um, you know, started putting these guys in, in, you know, Nick being the first, but put started putting them in these local tournaments and just seeing that, you know, if they're just pointed in the right direction, even though they're white belts and blue belts that they very well can beat because competing is very different than training. Competing is a skill in itself.
1: Right. I mean, it's not always the best guy that wins. Not at all. Right? Just know how to win. Yeah.
0: And, and I understand that. And if you can get people to believe in what you're saying and believe in themselves and, and listen, it's not like they're all these guys are all these crazy good you know wrestlers or anything. I mean, when one guy gets a it was an eighteen-year-old kid just, you know what I mean, out of high school. Right. Jay Rodriguez was wrestled in high school. He was a region champ, but right. he's a yeah, high nothing, school wrestler. Yeah, yeah. Steve Joachim is was a football player right. who didn't play in college. Right. He's a 21-year-old kid. I mean, Nick wrestled one year in college. Uh he's he's kind of an outlier. Um
1: so it sounds like a perfect storm of kind of opportunity, athlete, you you it triggered something in you. What didn't doesn't sound like you were seeking this out.
0: No. No, it just kind of kept showing up. <laughs> and the thing was, is once we started seeing that it was working, it definitely started to get addicting, you know, winning and going right. to these tournaments and being like, oh, my God, like There's that selfish. Not, feeling not of- only right. this stuff works, but we're getting really, really good at it. Um, And, uh, you know, the group just kind of stayed at that size until studio had opened up, uh, which, you know, it's, it's since closed. But when that opened up, that was a complete haven for competitors. And I think all those, you know, people who maybe ran their advanced class, you know, not ran, but like would go into an advanced class and just weren't getting the push that they needed to, to win at the level they wanted to win at. It would, you know, it would start to bring those groups.
1: Well, I mean, look, we, I've been doing jiu-jitsu for 26 27 years, right? And the the day th- there was a day where a guy could be a high-level MMA fighter and still have a full-time job. Yeah. Right? And there were guys that made it to the UFC and still had a full-time job. And then that's that's clearly changed. And it feels like that's also filtered down into grappling because there was a, there was a long time where you could be a regular 9 to 5 guy, train 2 hours four or five times a week, and likely dominate a lot of tournaments. Those those days are gone. No. And most schools cater to who? A guy that works a nine-to-five job. You have and, to. And, and that's what keeps the lights on and pays, pays the rent. <laughs> you
0: paying no bills with, <laughs> with competitors. Right.
1: No, no. Like we said off air. Well, I said yeah. off air. They're the worst. Yeah. Right. But uh, you've, you've found a niche that people are coming to you because they know, number one, your heart's in it. Number two, that doesn't seem like there's much of a financial – getting a beautiful gold on, but, you know, probably, <laughs> your business is probably paying for that. Um, but what do you think, other than the the, the success, right? Because they could look on the internet and say, well, Ottos is successful. Let me go there. John Donahue is successful. Let me drive up there. Why are they coming to you?
0: <sighs> Trust? I, I, I don't know. I, I do have an incredible, you know, relationship with, you know, all my athletes, and I do – everything i can to help them even ones that i don't really coach that i just to help out i i have incredible relationships with them i i wish i knew the answer to that question cuz i'll be honest with you marco sometimes i ask myself that yeah, I have and i'm no not idea. asking because
1: i doubt it I, i'm asking cuz i want to know yeah
0: and i'm going to be honest when i was teaching at studio and those pro classes and you'd have You know, more nights than none, three or four ADCC vets from 2019 on the mats, taking the class, and to see them kneeling in the front row, and then when it's you know drilling the technique, them asking questions, and you know what I mean? Hey, I have this match coming up. Like, what do you think we should do? Like, I can't tell you how that (laughs) that feeling you you know from somebody that's the high high level asking your advice and. You know, and and really genuinely wanting to learn from you, and and it's just uh, well,
1: it's a testament to your generosity, right? I mean, you're being unbelievably generous to all these folks, and hopefully, if they if they listen, hopefully they appreciate it. Yeah, if you don't, do. you should you should appreciate it, yeah. right? Because this is like I'm I'm getting enlightened here just talking to you, which is which is awesome for me. Uh, I had spoke, you know, Daishi Goto? Oh, print, of course, Daishi, yeah. print, man, one of my favorite kids yeah. in this area. And he had stopped up to train with you guys a couple times and he was here and I was like, Hey, Taishi, like what's going on up there? Talks about you, but he also talks about the culture and the environment, yeah. right? That, that we're, that they're all working towards these high level goals. Yeah. And it sounds like you're stirring that high level soup, right?
0: That's what I'm trying to yeah, do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Again, I'm seeing it's more achievable than people think. I don't think that people realize if you're good at jujitsu and you're a competitor that you, you can. You can definitely, definitely move to a high level if you focus correctly. You focus on, on the things that are, you know, the things that, that, that we were focusing on. We were focusing on, you know, a a, a system. To win a system from from uh, you know to attack in a way that it doesn't matter what the rule set is that our style will play through everything whether it be points sub only whatever it may be EBI doesn't matter where we're at we can win from any position and we'll always be pushing the pace the cardio to push the pace doesn't matter if it's a five minute match ten minute match fifteen minute match right. no time limit be ready to do all that mindset. You know? you know,
1: it's great to hear because now I'm getting a confirmation bias from you, right? Because I know how successful yeah. you and your guys are because I never teach to any rule set.
0: Yeah.
1: I teach to a general sense of being. Of, yeah. just jujitsu improvement. Like these are. this is how we think and this is what we want to do. Like I, I really push some mindsets of we start at zero, we move to one, we never yeah. move back to zero. From one, that's new base camp, we move to two. From two, we move to three. That whole kind of idea. So it makes me feel good listening to you because I know how successful you guys are that you can not subscribe to the formula that we've all been told this is how you yeah. you train people and it, it, it sounds like you've you've worked on a formula that works for you as a teacher but for your athletes as yeah. the receivers of what you're, what you're showing them.
0: So I'm going I'm to tell you and it's probably going to sound crazy but uh, the formula is probably what you heard on one of your first days of jiu-jitsu that our goal is to clinch, drag it to the ground, pass the guard, mount, make them turn over and choke them. You're scoring and you're winning. If that's your mindset moving right. forward, and in doesn't have to be in that order. I could pull guard sweep as long as my as long as our goal is to constantly be working in an offensive pattern to get to the finish, and we can keep our opponent on a defensive uh, on the defensive and defensive series. It's really hard to work out of, especially when you understand what to do from every position and you know exactly where you want to go to
1: so where where did jujitsu get lost then right because i'm not i don't see this everywhere yeah right we see jujitsu done a certain way and i look at it and maybe hopefully you look at it the same way and i'm like man i don't i don't like that that's not that's not what i signed up for
0: yeah so i learned that so just so i know how to counter it (laughs) you know what i mean like i spent a lot of time watching it you know and and listen these these systems have their their way and they do good but like uh, you know I don't really push K guard but I definitely study it to counter it right. you know what i mean i don't push a tenth planet system but i 100% know almost a lot of what they do right. and how to counter it like uh um I, and and again i don't know where who got lost along the way like if you just have the mindset of you're pushing forward and you're staying offensive then it doesn't matter what the rule set is it's if you're always trying to Move forward and pass the guard and sweep to get the top, or even dropping back on legs. As long as you're looking for the finish, and if it's not there, you're moving up. Just staying in offensive cycles, and I think that's what we were able to do more than anything is just put people in such pressure situations that they didn't know what to defend next.
1: I mean that that's phenomenal. That's really. I'm glad you're here because you're you're confirming a lot of the things that I thought. You guys. May have been doing, right? But also confirming some of my ideas and how I feel like jujitsu should, how you should express and exhibit your, yeah. your jujitsu. So, when you're thinking about coaching and training your athletes right now, what's got your attention?
0: Um, again, being well rounded and and being open minded to the new stuff that's that's coming up. And I, then this is where the commentary and my obsession helps a ton. Is because I watch. Like, this weekend, I watched Third Coast. I watched the EUG. I watched uh, the Riverfront thing. Like, I watched so much. Like, I you watched wait, wait, you that wa- I shouldn't you have watched, watched this week, you right? You watched like, Riverfront? I watched, I watched the whole thing. I watched the whole thing Riverfront. And watched Instructionals and watched – I teach one class next week. That's what I'm saying. I'm obsessed with this more than anybody – even has any idea I'm obsessed with this. Right
1: now, it's, it's coming to light because um, I didn't even know Riverfront was happening, and you watched the whole. You watched the whole thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, there was some good. There was some really good matches too. There's some really good matches, but I, I think that you know, evo- uh, uh, as far as what the the question was, I think that um, making sure you're staying up with the evolution is what I focus on, um, and like things like wrestling up, like wrestling up is a a very big thing now, right? And you have a lot more wrestlers that are coming into the sport. And when it comes to scoring, you know, don't be surprised if you don't see a lot of them realizing that they can get to pretty good dominant positions by sitting and then wrestling up. So in order to, you know, combat that, I've really been focusing on top side control and how to deal with far under hooks and what to do for and listen for no reason there's zero reason for me to be doing this right now
1: you're preemptively game planning what the problems could be down the road
0: down the road for somebody right somewhere but i'm having fun now so when i used to just be teaching it and coaching now i get to use it uh as i'm training right and it's even it's it's really cool to just have it register and then be able to do it. And, and it's cool because I remember the fine details. So cool. I'm in a cool spot when it comes to, you know, uh, you know, focusing on what's next right now, because I'm actually getting to, to do it and move with it a bit too.
1: Right. And we got some big stuff coming up soon, right? we got the trials coming up and then ADCC, yeah. not too far after that and all the different professional grappling. And, you know, you, you talked about, um, you know, what, what's got your focus and attention. And you talked about the wrestlers that are coming into into grappling. And do you see, because I never thought it could be this way, mm-hmm. a future for these kids, these athletes not having to go to MMA and staying in grappling to make a living – to be able to feed themselves and then possibly do the ancillary stuff seminars teach that kind of yeah. thing where they that this is their profession as opposed to shooting up and they trying to get their head bashed in in the UFC
0: yeah so um we're we're a bit away from it being able to be a straight competitor thing i i really think that you got to be a top 10 competitor right now um to be making enough money sponsor-wise and prize-wise and stuff like that to really be okay. You know what I mean? And and listen, some of them top 10, you're talking are making a few hundred thousand a year. You know, some closer to a million, some more than a million. So
1: Not so bad. Yeah, for sure. (laughs)
0: Um, But I'm going to tell you there's a big difference between one and 10. Huge difference between, right. like, the number one guy and number 10 guy.
1: But isn't that but, the, the same in most professional athletes? For sure. Right?
0: But I will say the one thing that jiu-jitsu has that's such a um, – uh, that wrestling, I think, lacks, and it's a shame, is the ability to use schools to pay the athletes to teach to be able to do what they do, you know what I mean? And right, right. And uh, if, if more schools, uh, you know – maybe did that maybe found an athlete athlete in the area and said hey you know what i mean help you out he's easier said than done cuz you have the whole cross right, training right, thing and right. stuff like that but you know I- it's close. It's getting there. It's getting there. But right now you got to be, you got to be pretty good to be doing it on your own, but just competing.
1: Now you, you brought up, and I know this, we're getting a little off well, what we were going to talk about, but you, you brought up cross training. Yeah. Right. And are you a fan, not a fan? Are you somebody that tells your guys, Hey, it's okay to train somewhere else? Or you know what? I prefer that you don't.
0: Yeah. So I, you know, I don't care about cross training okay. whatsoever uh, for a few reasons. One if the people are, are, are paying money to me and want to seek somebody else out or just looking for extra rounds, I'm okay. But I don't care. Um, people, uh, uh, because I'm confident that I'm teaching. Uh, I know what I'm teaching is good. I'm not, I'm never nervous about losing everybody and nor would I even care because if that's what they want to do, it's what they want to do. I really don't, you know, I really don't care. I think it does get a little dicey when you come into, um, if you're training with people who might be, you know, training against your teammate or or competing against your teammates soon, stuff like that, that, that gets a little dicey, but uh, here's the problem and and it's why people have to cross train. I think in this area now, granted for the hobbyists, I it's I don't know. You know, do what you want, have fun. Uh, for competitors, sometimes it's out of necessity. Like I said, sometimes
1: you have a small. You group.
0: need more. Yeah, you yeah. need more than what the push of the advanced class can can give you. You know, and listen, that can start happening to these competitors at blue belt these days. Right. You know, or a no gi class. You know the rest of it's you know it's a it's hobbyists you know right. they're not yeah. ready for that and, and, and
1: nor and, do they want to deal with. But that also there's nothing that. wrong with. Yeah, I mean I started off as a hobbyist, right? I know, yeah. No, oh, no, yeah, 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 for right? sure. You know, like this, this is 99.9 percent hobbyists. We're talking about tip of the spear I guys. Am, pretty
0: yeah. much everything I'm talking about tonight has to do with the smallest percent of people right. in jujitsu. yeah the
1: worst the worst.
0: <laughs> the worst.
1: <laughs> so, you funny enough though you look at international judo, you look at international wrestling, and you'll have – you'll see a room full of guys, a gold medalist training right next to a silver medalist, training yeah. right next to a bronze medalist. So why do you think you know, in some so, aspects jiu-jitsu might be different?
0: All right. So also, too, when I say out of necessity because of what we talked about, um, it was something that I was trying to create uh, uh, with the studio class was – you know, make it so that you don't have to leave, right. You know, make it so that you're the attraction. Look at autos. You know what I mean? Those guys don't have to go nowhere. No. Look at when, you know, Henzo's was the blue basement. Right. Those guys didn't have to go nowhere. They just had to go to their class every day. Everybody came to them. And, uh, and listen, this area is known for, for great jujitsu. This area, the whole Northeast is known for great jujitsu. But uh, I mean, let's, in just, just me being, you know, completely honest is, it would be hard for a single room in this area to house an ADCC champion.
1: Unless it was the the, the blue basement with the what one was it Was yeah. it? Uh, and, and
0: I'm talking this immediate area. No, Marcellus no, no, but, can no,
1: do it. Marcellus does well with it. Unity right. does well with it.
0: I mean, but that's two.
1: Right, but they ha- also have the, the 20 million people within 30 miles.
0: Bingo. Right. For sure, they have that. They have that ability, and that's what I'm saying. That's why I think the cross training for competitors is almost a necessity. Unless you have that ability to get that training you need on a consistent basis, and
1: right, also the business of it. Right? If the if the business of it for the owner was more lucrative to be able to push oh, a competitor, it just never is. It, 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 it's really not. <laughs> it really right? isn't. Even though I love competition, and yeah. we see each other at competitions, and I go to tournaments, and I've coached and the, so forth and so on. Is that Unfortunately, the guy that wants to compete can't be training all the time with the, even with a really good hobbyist for yeah. the most part. Right? Either he hurts him where that guy doesn't want to get mauled, you know, like does a yeah. does a, a regular accountant purple belt want to train with Nikki Rod five times a week? Probably not.
0: Yeah, definitely not. Right. Not five times a week. But and you he, know what? Nikki would be sweet as pie, but he ain't ready for that kind of pace. So he ain't trying to have that kind of pace.
1: He wants to be next to Nikki Rod. He yeah. wants to say, "He tra- look at you. See that Greek, that Puerto Rican Greek god? <laughs> like I, I train with that guy, yeah. right? But he doesn't want to train with, with that him, guy. Yeah. Right? yeah, that's where the difference is. So, speaking of that hurdle. What do you think is the biggest hurdle for teaching and training and coaching high-level competitors?
0: Uh, what was my note? Oh, man. And, I, and you know what? I think we already touched on what my note was about this.
1: There we go. Fill, we'll, we'll fill in the gaps.
0: <laughs> <sighs> uh, hurdle. Oh, no. This is a big one, man mindset okay so much so that i seek help you, i use uh, I, I talk to mindset mike mike Moore, mindset okay. coach for some uh, some wrestling teams does juni uh Acasio, works with some ufc so let me, fighters let yeah me ask,
1: so you're saying you th- their mindset affects you so that you you need to go so no. you explain. okay this to yeah, me? Yeah, yeah, yeah
0: yeah all right so i have uh, i'm I found a niche in that I am pretty decent at teaching people how to hurt each other. I'm not good at teaching people how to have the correct mindset. Okay. I'm just not a mindset coach. So I talk to Mike and then I have him talk to some of the athletes, but I also use his advice with my guys on how to handle situations where he here's the thing that was happening and it happened a lot at the end is when you start to get to a certain level, there's giant expectations on you to win.
1: Giant. expectations. The athlete or the yeah, coach? Not okay, me.
0: not me. I don't. Short memory, win lose. You know what I mean? It doesn't either way. We got to get the next paycheck. But isn't we the expectation to always to win? Always to win, but it shouldn't be the expectation from the outside. It sh- We shouldn't let what other people. We shouldn't let other people's. Uh, um, expectation of us winning take over the moment for us. Okay, Like we've worked so hard to become uh, uh, or to have the ability to be put in these op- these crazy opportunities where we're on giant stages and we're fighting against people like Gabby Garcia and um, and to not be grateful and live in that moment. And enjoy that moment to the fullest because you're such a small percentage of people are ever going to be able to have that kind of glory on that kind of mat. And to have the stress of just winning be what's on your mind is just not the right mindset to be in. And and when you lose, then it's just now I didn't live up to the expectations when really if we're just out there and we do what we do every day, it's just under a different setting. And we're just grateful and happy to be in that moment. I think we've performed much better having that kind of mindset of being more grateful for being in the moment than we're in a situation where we have to win this match.
1: So you're going to Mindset Mike. He's helping you. He taught, yeah, yeah. He talks I've to talked you, to he him. talks to the athletes.
0: He talk, and I have him talking to some athletes. Let me, yeah.
1: let me ask you then, for people that are listening, what's a, a takeaway or two that if you were coaching them and they were having similar issues, like what could what can they do?
0: Yeah, so – easier than that, <laughs> or it's, or it's much harder than that. But, uh, but, uh, I- Exactly what I was just saying is the biggest thing that I try to portray is understand how much time and how much hard work you've put into getting to a position where people are asking you to do things at an incredibly high level that there's so many people that they could ask, but you're the one that's being chosen because of how hard you worked. Rather than stress yourself with being in that moment and having the only thing on your mind is if I lose this, it's over, if I lose this, it's the end of the world, which more athletes, more athletes than I could shake a stick at, have a problem with where it's the end of the world when they lose, um, when it's really not, uh, to to instead have the attitude of just being in that moment and being grateful and happy and, and like, it's not like it's practice, but you do this every day. You know, we know exactly what to do. Let's go out there and have fun and enjoy this, this thing that, that, you know, other people have to go behind a desk every day and other people have to drive trucks for a living. Right. You get paid to go out here and have fun. Right. These guys have like, it's
1: a dream opportunity for somebody like like you and I, I think in similar fashions, like I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be doing this podcast because I shouldn't have this school. I shouldn't, I I shouldn't have any of this. Right. And I'm, I'm truly grateful and, and thankful for for that whole thing but these guys that are tip of the spear competitors sometimes not having that gratitude and having that little spark to them is important right
0: so that's why this it's not for everybody right people who have an, uh, people who have a problem with that Need to have that mindset okay there's some people that don't have that problem and losing is something that happens because they're trying to achieve their goal and failure and some people deal with that failure already okay I'm one of them i don't I don't need help with it I need help trying to tell people how right. to think okay you know what I mean right, right, right. I don't know you know what I mean I can roll off of it a guy like Nick He's good. He he handles losses probably better than any human I've ever met. Um, but that's not for everybody, and a lot of people, and especially listen, especially if you're a blue belt or you're a purple belt, and again, you you're feeling this anxiety and this pressure from the outside to win in these big in these big tournaments. Like,
1: we, so give me an example. Like, who? And I'm, maybe just because I'm, I, I don't know, I can't put myself in those shoes. But who would oh, be putting who who would be putting the pressure on them?
0: Oh, I mean the outside in general. Okay, just feeling that you're expected to win from the outside world. That if you're that if you feel like if I don't win, I suck, and uh, nobody's okay. going to want me on their show it's so anymore. Counter to how nobody's I operate. gonna. It's and I'm going to tell you, Marco. It is. It is way, it's way more, wow. way more than Even you Even in think. the kids' class, I go, yeah. just
1: because you lost doesn't make you a loser. Yeah. Right? We we, yeah. we learn, you know, you lose, you learn, all that, you know, like happy horse shit. Yeah. But it, it's really interesting because sometimes, when for a while I was dealing with very high-level MMA fighters. Yeah. Right? And I went as far as coaching into the, in the UFC, and the guys that I did the best with were the guys that never had an issue with that. Yeah. That either had a short memory. Knockout loss, knockout win. The next day, they were the same guy.
0: Yeah. Man, that's not – yeah, that is definitely not the case across the board. And it's nothing that – you know, it's like anxiety. Some people have it. Some people don't, you know. These these guys are working and girls are working so hard to be the best in the world that they think one rung down, you know what I mean, one loss brings them ten notches down when really it doesn't. Right. You know. But, again, to have that pressure as a a blue belt or a purple belt just because of – Having what rash guard, you know what logo you have on your rash guard, shouldn't make a difference. Go out there and have fun. Take that rash guard off and go shirtless. You know what I mean? Right, don't, right, who don't cares? But I these get kids. it. These kids, they're kids.
1: They right? are. Yeah,
0: yeah. So that's the thing. They're you know they're they're twenty. They're twenty one. They're eight. Jacob and and Justin, man, were just eighteen and nineteen years old, and going against seasoned black belts and winning. um, that's when they were having fun, you know what I mean. Right. If they, and as long as they can go out there and have fun, they can see that. Honestly, those black belts were probably the one that were feeling the pressure. Right. right, right. You know, we're just the able you to, get, to the do jujitsu, right. Man, or sometimes the opposite. I don't know, man. The more pressure. I
1: can't. I, 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 it's funny because I can't. Like, I just see, because again, we're regular dudes, right? Yeah. And I just know the better I get, the more fun this is. When I sucked, this sucked. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) Losing sucks. Yeah. So,
0: And, and that's the thing, man. They just, uh, they hate losing more than they like winning and that's I think it's the best the best attitude to have when you're going into a match is they hate losing more than you like winning. But uh, you know, it definitely comes with, with having to reset your head and make sure, you know, make sure you think in the right way and, and you're you're heading into it that way.
1: L- losing sucks losing sucks is clearly a harsh truth, right? Yeah. But what do you think uh, most competitors and coaches, you know, what's a harsh what's a harsh truth that they prefer to avoid?
0: It's gonna take a while to get
1: paid. Yeah,
0: yeah. So the, the money, the, the money, financial, hundred percent It's probably the most difficult thing with somebody coming up in this sport. Is unless you're a young kid who still lives at home, not a young kid, but at least you have if, if you know you if have the Italian, ability and you to can live in live your mother's house at
1: thirty five.
0: Do it. Stay home. Um, again, not every. School is in a position where they can hire the athletes to and pay them so that they and, can and do so, it. So and
1: like I wouldn't want that to be honest with you. Yeah, you, you know, yeah. like I just I I know what I, I I know what school I run best.
0: Yeah, and again, you're talking about ninety five percent of you're talking such a high percentage of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's why I say the hardest thing is is to you know financially. You know these guys, and listen, when you start getting good, <laughs> people want you to you know. They want you to come out. They want you out. Oh, travel to this tournament. Travel to this tournament. Travel to this tournament. Um, you know they got fees. They got to do. They Show still got it. Right. Show me the got money. Right. Eat. Show they me still the money. To, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, that's the the most difficult thing to deal with is making them understand that there is money, but and I know how to get it for you. Right. We just got a lot of work to do first. You know.
1: All right. So paid, and again, I'm,
0: de- I'm 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 talking about getting somebody to a level where they can make. 50, 100, 200 grand a year in yeah you know, jujitsu.
1: I mean, it beats being a guy in yeah, ditches, yeah, right? For sure, right? <laughs> you know, come on. So you you have a plan, and you can help them figure that plan out financially, right? If they if they follow the steps and they, they subscribe to it,
0: once they get their own money, they're on their once they get their money, they're on their own. Right. Right? They better be responsible. Yeah, yeah. But, no, but I'm saying but you can yeah, set them down the. I path. understand. Yeah,
1: the yellow brick road, so to yeah. so to speak. Once Correct. they're on the yellow brick road, it's on them. So there's a future that you can let them see. Yeah. Right? Like if you do X, Y, and Z, you can likely make this money, become somebody that people search for you for seminars or DVDs and so forth and so on. So what about technically? If you could predict the future, right? What do you see as the next evolution for high level competition, coaching techniques, And where do you see them coming from?
0: Yeah, so I'm gonna be honest. Again, I'm (laughs) gonna the infusion of the wrestlers is going to force jujitsu to become much more well-rounded. So when
1: you say well-rounded, unpack unpack. All right, right. you
0: can't just be a leg locker. You can't just be a top player. You have to be able to do everything. A wrestler is going to be able to put you on your back, and they're going to be very difficult to sweep. They're obviously going to be incredibly difficult to take down. So you have to strategically think of ways to get underneath of them, to put them on their back to score, ways to expose their back. Um, so uh, you know, the jujitsu,
1: the jiu-jitsu nerds are going to love this. Oh. Love,
0: no, i mean, just this <laughs> yeah, whole conversation. They're sure. going to love it. Yeah, i have enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and and it's and you're already seeing it across the board, right? If you if the who's number one watching somebody like Look, I don't watch Gabriel Riverfront, Susan. but I watch yeah. who's number
1: who's number one, all right?
0: <laughs> like Gabriel Souza and like Diego Pato I think are two very good examples of well-rounded where they can wrestle and Diego Pato I uh, was just kind of forced to wrestle this past weekend because the EUG added some cool new, it's like ADCC, but you're not allowed to pull guard at all. So I forced you to stay on your feet. I like, feet. Oh, yeah, I like it was that. Interesting, yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Fun to watch. And I had Pato, it had Grippo, had Damien. That was, yeah. But anyway. Um, uh, and that, that
1: transfers over much easier into other aspects of fighting than, yes. than not. Yes. Right? Like our, our abilities to take people down. Like, jiu Jitsu's is worthless. Outside of this room, if I can't take somebody down, right? Do you agree or disagree? Uh, so
0: I, I will say this. I will say this. I think that people know way less about jujitsu in the street than we even realize. Right. And I think even a, I think even like a two-stripe, three-stripe white belt would be able to sweep most normal humans fairly easily. But I see what you're saying. It's never, ever where you want to be. Oh, right. Okay. All right. Ever.
1: I didn't want to end this podcast right now. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you're seeing the 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 widening of our toolbox. Yes, you know more more things. Not just the who can we thank for opening our eyes to this idea that we don't have to follow the formula that we were given originally?
0: Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Nicky Rod. Okay. I I think I I think that he took. I think he took jujitsu and showed you that you could be just an aggressive person, an aggressive top player who um, uh, – an aggressive top player who you have to learn how to deal with. Your regular sweeps, your regular leg attacks clearly aren't working. And he's somebody that the world saw that, man, if we took a bit more – just a little more attention to our wrestling and our aggression, right? Because right. I'm going to tell you, I've I've sat through you know uh, quite a few ADC rules meetings in this last rules uh, certification that I did. They reference the Nicky Rod cyborg match. They reference the Nicky Rod Ali match because of his aggression and everything, how he won those matches, right. and uh, even when they do the breakdown for how refs decisions are scored. It's Nikki Rod's match that's referenced. Um, so, when, yeah, good.
1: When Nikki Rod name come up, right? You you'll hear, her, or maybe some of the conversations I have are like, "Well, he's just our modern day Jeff Monson, right?" Can we? Can Can you dispel that myth that he's not yeah. the Jeff Monson of twenty twenty
0: one? these are totally different times. These are totally different times, and winning now. As opposed to winning ten years, and this—no offense to Munson—I'm a I'm a Munson fan. I'm a huge Munson fan. He blazed the trail for a lot of people. uh, Absolutely, Um, but uh, it's not—I don't think it's comparing apples to apples at this point. Okay, ten to eleven years later, I, I just don't think it's the same. Other than your guys, like that, were like a guy like Munson would probably do pretty good today in ADCC because of the rule set and because of his style. Um, yeah, I guess you could say he's a modern day. He's a modern day monster for what he was back then. Yeah. Yeah. For what the snowman was back then, Nicky Rod, was
1: that? Yeah. All right. And from a coaching perspective or a teaching perspective, who, who do you give credit to to saying, Hey, these are the guys that helped me think outside of this, the formula, the box that I always thought inside of that got me to where I am now.
0: Yeah. So, all right. I watch. All right. Again, I'm lucky enough with the commentary that it's put me in a situation where you know i've commented well over three thousand matches so it's put me in a situation where not only am I watching three thousand people win but I have to pay incredibly close attention to how three thousand people are, are are winning and you see kind of a um I didn't forgot the question. Where where <laughs> what
1: what coach or, or team or instructors have helped you oh, think outside okay, of the, okay. the formulate so box we used to be to, in?
0: Getting to watch um so many people win really like kind of broadened my thing. But if I had to say like game plan, I definitely follow and I'm gonna be honest, it's because I can reference the most the most between the instruction and watching it happen in live matches, because one thing that I'm very big on is it's not only trying to learn technique through instructionals or or, or private lessons or or seminars um, or just watching footage, um, but I want to see it work in a match. You know, you could throw anything up on Instagram or you could throw anything on a DVD I'm. I'm not showing it unless I see it work in a match. Okay. Just not interested unless I see it work at it. And more than anything, at a high level, you know what I mean. If I see something working at a high level, and John Danaher and Gordon just have the most available knowledge to the public, right? Um, as far as instructionals, as far as and you have a
1: relationship with those guys, I have, as yeah, well. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So I've done, yeah, I've done seminars with them, um, but. Also, just to be able to reference what the passing, the sweeping, the submissions in matches. So you're seeing the technical details, but then being able to reference it back into matches. Um, I watch a lot of Gary Tonin. Obviously I like the the Henzo, the Henzo I, I tribe. think Gary's
1: the most exciting grappler that's probably walked. ever lived. Yeah. yeah. There's I, nobody I, more exciting. Hate
0: MMA because it stole him from us. Right, right. I right. hate MMA because it stole him from us. Um I uh honestly I watch a lot of the Rotolos, um and I think that they're uh, uh They've been something that you know I, I've been watching more lately and trying to learn more lately, um, mostly because of their passing. I really f- feel that their passing is dynamic. And another person that I actually watch a lot and try to uh, uh, emulate some of his stuff is the passing of uh, uh, Gabriel Souza.
1: Okay. Yeah. And these are all young young kids, right? I mean, they're... yeah. yeah other than Rat, John, other than Rat, her, they're, Rat, all, Rat. they're, Rat. they're, all, they're young. all youngsters and pushing pushing the envelope of of what, what we're doing, but. So speaking of the youngsters, right, and these talented youngsters that you have coming to you, and I, I'm imagining not all of them stick, mm. right? What, what have you seen to be as a common reason for sometimes a, a talented young competitor to either fails or he gives up? What's What, yeah. what have you noted?
0: It's, uh, dude, the training's hard. It's not for everybody. It really is. And it's, and it's not that it's, uh, like, it's not that it's a cardio-heavy anything. I don't even have warm-ups, in my class and warm up you know, before class and we'll do technique and then we'll do drilling and stuff like that. Um, it, it, it's hard to go into a room man, and lose a lot. You know what I mean? Especially if you're a competitor and I'm just talking about my experiences specifically with people that I've seen come in and, and, and then not come in anymore. And, uh, and I, I, and I get it. it. It's especially when you're doing this, you're trying to do something for fun and when you, come in and you're trying to accomplish something and it's really difficult to do because it's a difficult room. Right. Um, it's, it's, you know what I mean? I, and I get it. I understand. And I, I think that's what the, most people can't, that the training is the most difficult part. Showing up every realizing once you realize that you have to show up every day right. to keep up with these guys because they're here every single day, learning, getting better, right. training with each other. Um it's, uh, that's hard for people to deal with, and I, and and understandably so.
1: And is there anything – say if I had that same problem and I came to you and I said, hey, Jay, I got like 95% of the guys stick, but these five – this 5% are just rolling off. Like what, what advice would you give me? Would you say, hey, Marco, do X, Y, or Z or say, you know what? Sometimes not everything is for everybody. Oh,
0: yeah. So that's what I was just about to say. I know they say it's for everybody, but it's really not, man. Jesus, is not for everybody. That,
1: not the tip of the spear. <laughs> no. Nah. Nah. Not the five, the, nah. the five tenths it's of a percent not, we're talking about.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's uh,
1: and again, it's not
0: like you're getting financially compensated right. in a great way, especially in the beginning. Is this is a lot of sacrifice for very very little reward, other than glory? And most people who are, you know, in it for the glory, once they taste a little bit of it and see how difficult it is, even if they achieved it. Even like coming back and realize like the next thing you do is going to be bigger. It's going to be more difficult. Um, it's tough, man. Do,
1: do you think, or have you seen in in your experience that maybe they can flourish somewhere else? This just isn't the place for them, or they just kind of trail off and they just realize that the hard work is going to be the hard work.
0: The hard. Uh, so, and it's not that they can't be successful going anywhere else. I just know, it, like. To to be the best is incredibly difficult. To be even in the top 10, top 20 is an incredibly difficult thing. And, um, I mean, you're talking about the top 150 people in the world. Like, it's such a a difficult thing to get to that it's not that you can't achieve it going somewhere else, but if – a spot where people are achieving it is too difficult man like going somewhere that's more comfortable this isn't this isn't a sport where comfort wins you know and again i'm talking about competitors not hobbyists oh, no, right. yeah, no, no, yeah, no, yeah yeah for sure
1: and it's it's it, you know a guy leaves you to go to Atos. well it's not i mean generally the hard work yeah. everybody's working just about as hard right yeah. but, Maybe you have some tricks or or ideas that are For different. For sure. But
0: now, I, now, something like that, somebody going from an Autos to a an Alliance or something like that, or you know, a, a big Alliance affiliate, um, that's that's a little different. You know, that could be a culture, yeah, right? culture thing, not getting along. I think that, yeah, I uh, think that happens. That happens uh, a lot. Right? But um,
1: but if we're talking just solely from an athletic standpoint. Not a cultural idea, right? Because I look—I've yeah. had my run-ins with certain types of uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu grapplers that I—I I just know I couldn't flourish under those guys because I don't like yeah. those guys. Yeah, you, you, get, you oh, get what God, I'm saying? yeah, yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, it, it's interesting because it, it does feel like the hard work is is the hard work, no matter no matter where you go.
0: It has to be. Yeah.
1: So, of all the hard work and all the the help that you've given competitors and students. What's uh, what's been the best compliment you've ever received?
0: So this is this wasn't with words. There's a, a competitor named Trinity Pun.
1: I've I've heard that name. Yeah, you're you. She's, she's announced a, three thousand matches. <laughs> so <yeah. laughs>
0: so she is a fifteen uh, year old purple belt. Uh, she trains with Stephen or uh, Stefan Christina.
1: She's a purple belt at 15. Oh. Let me clutch my pearls. <laughs> There's going to be people on Reddit complaining about that, but but I digress.
0: She's IBJJF illegal, and we're okay with that. <laughs> so her coach, uh, Stefan Gristina, who is one of the owners of Ocean County, uh, or uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Orange County Fight Club in Long Island. Uh, he's a black belt uh, under the Henzo lineage, and he's kind of her her like head coach, and he had brought her down. Um, for a session when when Studio first uh, started, and and listen, this is this kid is a uh, an incredible competitor, man. She's uh, she just uh, she just took second at the Medusa at an EBI again at fifteen years old. Um, what was the one she just won? Submission on the shore. I can't remember. She just took another belt. Anyway. They live like three and a half hours, three hours from Studio 84.
1: Driving anywhere from Long Island is brutal.
0: I say if it's on Long Island, I'm probably not going to.
1: Right, right, yeah.
0: I'll drive to Maryland before. Uh, I will tell you that the greatest compliment was her and her dad driving from Long Island to my class twice a week for almost a year. And that I don't think they understand how flattering – it was knowing that they're passing probably thirty jujitsu schools,
1: probably more. But seven hours of driving,
0: twice a week—that's
1: fourteen hours of travel.
0: Yep, for his son. For those of you for, that are for, bad for at his math.
1: daughter, yeah. For John
0: <laughs> to have his daughter be able to train in, in the classes, and I've never heard them complain about the drive. I've never heard them. It's just, and to me, that was, you know, an incredible compliment. Just that you would sacrifice that much time. And it's not like he's, his daughter's driving like this, you know, this guy is... Two,
1: so it's 28 hours, You're right? <laughs> it, 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 the, the drive time two for ton. two people. Wow. Man, you know. and, and it feels like you really understand the what your responsibility is to somebody that's that dedicated to you.
0: Yeah, I, I can't... I- it, I've never even told – I like I've told them a million times I'm so thankful that they right. that they make that drive and we're coming down like that. But uh, to me, it was uh, one of the most flattering things. Oh, it's, it's- and listen, people have said sort of a commentary coach and all that stuff, but uh, that's something that just always uh, – can't believe I can't believe somebody would actually drive that. That's
1: great, man. You know, but distance you, to Like I, I know why they're coming. Yeah, right. And you you know why they're know. coming. But it's tough sometimes. But, yeah, that you're a regular guy, right? Yeah. And they're uh, they're coming to this regular walking yeah. that door every day and go, oh my god, that's awesome, man. That is that that's phenomenal. Now these people would spend 14 hours driving to come to your class, right? If there's anybody that you could spend a day learning BJJ from, dead or alive. Somebody you haven't learned from. Yeah. Who would it be?
0: Hodger. And, and I'm going to tell you why. Uh, I've started uh, – uh, when I started training again, I called in uh, the guy who actually got me into jiu-jitsu named Steve Hutchinson. And uh, he's, he stopped training for a bit. And I said, listen, I'm getting back into training. If you would come back, we can just move around and move together. So he hasn't trained in a good – Good eight, nine years it's been since he's trained. And he has that very old school style to where he's never even seen new school stuff. Right. Okay. And I'll tell you that using what I know now, he was combating it fairly good with basic movement. And it reassured that I would love to talk to Hodger and see his approach. To handling all this new jujitsu, I know that sounds weird and not anybody you know famous or not not anybody famous, but I literally would just love to talk to Hajar about new, new jujitsu and how he handles it.
1: Now, I mean, look, we talk about him a lot, right, on our, on our Ninja Rob podcast. But it, there's a guy that went in with the gi when everybody, even you know, the gi's been crazy, goofy, technical for a very long time, yeah. right? Not not. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Nogi's getting there in a different way, right? The non-traditional approaches to it. But there is a guy that was doing things that you likely or I likely learned in the first three months of our jiu-jitsu yeah. and doing it against people that were multiple-time world champions that were the beast. And he'd, he'd submit 13, 14 black belts with an next choke from the mount. Who who does that? And, and you knew he was going to do it. Yeah. His match with Bushesha there at the
0: end. The second. One. The second one. Yeah. It was amazing. Right. Amazing that he's able to do that. But, uh, yeah, as much as, as I love new, new age technique, new stuff, I love being on the cutting edge of everything, I find him completely fascinating that he can take such a basic fundamental game and completely wipe out entire divisions.
1: Do you, do you think that someone can, with his level of mastery can do the same thing today?
0: With yeah, I I would love to see a Hodger like imagine Hodger t- t- ten years younger in today. I would l- I would love to see that.
1: And and there was a guy that it didn't matter, Gi No Gi, no. champion, open weight, his division. You know, there was no there was no crutch one one way or another. So, is that another way that you think some schools that are trying to be more competitive can go and say, hey, I. I'm not up on K guard. I'm not up on the heel hooks, but I can get you so good at these, that these basics that we can combat combat a lot of that.
0: A fundamental, Oh, being so fundamentally sound with the basic. Yeah, of course. I'll be honest with you too. If you really look at what wins in competition, it's nothing diff, like everything that I teach in a pro class, I could teach to a person on their first day. It's nothing that is flipping over, jumping over. I, you know, it's technique that you can use no matter if you're in the 99-kilo division or the 66-kilo division. If you're a 115-pound woman, you know, the way we do our triangles is the same. I like how you go back same. and
1: forth like... between metric and uh, and, 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 and American <laughs> weights. Yeah, I like that, right? So so there is room for the fundamentals. Uh,
0: yes, 100%. Fundamentals is is such a – just just the base of fundamentals, just you know, understanding how to, uh, uh, um, you know, maintain a base from the top position, stand up. Just those, those basic fundamentals are, you know, they never that, go. It's what they don't, yeah, they no, really no, don't. No,
1: they, they definitely. And man, this has been a, this has been one of the most fun jujitsu conversations <laughs> I've had. I, I really, I really appreciate this. But I, let's not—we're changing gears. But let me outside of specific Mm jujitsu, and you look, you know, when you become an older man, when you're in your 80s, right? God God willing, we we make it to that age. And you look back at your life. What do you think is going to matter most to you?
0: Man, that I was happy the majority of it. That I didn't spend much time uh that i didn't spend almost any time at all in a uh in a bad state of mind that i've been lucky enough to where life is uh has treated me good in personal like with at home with my my wife my son and then in in sport and business like i i don't like happiness being happy is something that uh that I am incredibly thankful for, and I think, and I'm, when I'm old and and gray, you know, I'll definitely look back and and know that I enjoyed enjoyed life and experienced everything I could possibly experience, and tried as hard as I could with everything I did.
1: No, man, that's that's awesome. It's really kind of why we're here, right? Yeah, right. If if we're not. I don't know what your family background is, but my, you know, my parents came from poverty to come to this country to give me the opportunities, yeah. right, that they didn't have and to give me the ability to make the decisions that they couldn't make. And one of the things that I learned is man they they sacrifice a lot of their happiness so I want to make sure that I'm I'm happy. Yeah. So, and it's, it's really nice to see. Cause that's also like, a key, I, I referenced it earlier. It's beautiful. The stuff that I see with you and your family, your son. Yeah. Right. And how important that part of it is. You're, you're a real human being. Not a yeah. lot of these guys are that, yeah. that do what, what we do. So kudos to you. And I think it's a, that's a beautiful answer. Thank you. So when I, when I called you and asked you to, to, to be on this, um, and we were having a, like it's a, a fun side conversation and you're like, ah, oh, those guys don't like me. Right. And <laughs> If anybody wants to know, that's none of your business who these guys are that that, that don't like you. But uh, and I don't like them either, by the way. Uh, what's something that people seem to misunderstand about you?
0: Thinking everybody likes me.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? You'd be
0: I, surprised. Uh, you'd be surprised. And, and and listen, I don't really hold any. I don't hold any beefs or grudges anybody. I don't get jealous. I don't get anything. But yeah, be surprised at how many people. Dislike me. Really? Yeah.
1: I'm I so I'm one to put me in that camp. I'm I'm surprised, man. I've never had anything but, but yeah. a fabulous interaction I have, with I you. have
0: and I have so many great relationships and maybe it's you know, it's not a great number, but uh yeah man. Just uh and it's a dude, it's a part of this and I get it, you know, not everybody's happy with how how, you know, you do things, but I don't really care. You know, yeah, I'm doing stuff to be happy for me. And, uh,
1: yeah. I mean, what you eat doesn't make no, them full, right? No. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's weird. Like I, again, sometimes these headspaces that people are in, I can't, I have a difficult time putting myself in it. It's either. I want to see you do well. Yeah. Or I have no energy for you. Yeah. Either.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And that's the best part yeah. is that, man, I'm fine. I got plenty of friends. I don't think I'm good. You know, right. if
1: I gotta take a few off the list, I'm good. So we're going to be wrapping this up shortly. What was something that I should have asked you, but I didn't know enough to ask? Uh,
0: What do I do besides jiu-jitsu?
1: Okay. What do you do besides (laughs) jiu-jitsu? I have a
0: business. I have actually a a pretty successful business. It's called Contractor Service. Um, I had been there for like 10 years. We sell like – uh consumable products to like road bridge companies, utility companies like jackhammers, okay. you saw stuff like that. Um and uh yeah, bought into it about seven years ago. So yeah, I actually own a business, and that's why I don't do jujitsu full time. Is because I actually have a full time business that I have to cater to for forty five hours a week.
1: But it it, it it likes you. It likely gives you the flexibility to approach jujitsu on your terms, as opposed to somebody else's terms.
0: Very, very much so. Yeah. Very much so. Um, yeah, I'm not financially um, financially bound to jujitsu in any way, shape, or form. So. The, the, Jiu Jitsu for me is literally just about love and whatever monetary uh you know, the the monetary stuff I get for commentary and in right. the teaching and coaching and stuff I like got. But yeah, it's all it's all love. <laughs>
1: That's awesome. So, uh, plug the business. Where where is it?
0: Yeah, contractor service. We're we're in Camden, but we're in a nice part of Camden. We're right
1: across from the you beautiful come do, new residential. You, you come during the day, you'll be fine.
0: <laughs> I'm one of the biggest uh, steel dealers in the in the in South Jersey. Steel, steel, steel chainsaws, okay. st- stuff like oh, that. Steel, steel. Steel. Okay, yeah, gotcha. Still, still, yeah, steel chainsaws and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, contractor service dot You can check it
1: out. All right. Well, if I ever I live in South Philly, we don't have use for chainsaws. No. But if I ever need anything, I know I know where to go. I, I got two surprise questions. Yeah, so I didn't, I didn't send them to you They're not gonna, It's not cool. going to be a gotcha moment right? <laughs> but let's see what you say How old would you be If you didn't know how old you were You wake up tomorrow You have no ID, no birth certificate How old would you be? Man, I'll, great
0: question And I'll tell you, I'm glad you caught me like At this part of my life too Because I feel Younger than I felt In a long time I'm going to tell you, I feel about about 10 years younger than I am. If I woke up to that, I thought I'd be early 30s. All right. So you'd be 30. feel good. Yeah. All right. I've been feeling good. Yeah. That's a great question.
1: That's a good, and that's a good, like, yeah. 33. Just at the end of my prime. Right. But also, you, you know, you're seasoned enough. Yeah. You know, you've been around the block likely, right? Yeah. It's, it's, you have energy, but not too much. Right? Yeah. Bingo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Here's the next one. Yeah. And this will be the final question. You've been given an elephant. You Can't give it away or sell it. What would you do with the elephant? Man,
0: God, Rocco's gonna have some fun because now I got a pet elephant, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> so I
1: can't give it away or sell it. Can't give it away or sell it. What yeah. do you do with the elephant?
0: <laughs> um, I guess I'm moving to, to Africa and gonna ride that thing around the jungle, all right? So you, the you, desert, not the jungle.
1: Oh, okay. So you you move, I would the cater elephant, to the elephant, you would cater to the elephant. Man
0: Can't keep it in Marlton That's for sure
1: I, I don't I, It's probably against Some sort of code Out Maybe. there Yeah uh, Unless Maybe you know, round the Might be might be, <laughs> might be Hey Jay I, I can't thank you enough for, for coming to do this This has been Unbelievably enlightening For me uh, Like I said I, I've always uh, I'm going to say Look at you Man that guy's Happy Fun doing, doing great things But Didn't know you Nearly as well As I know you now
0: Yeah. I I really appreciate the opportunity, man. Flattered to even be asked, dude,
1: I'm, I'm, I'm really glad. I, I, I wish you all the success in the world. You're doing big things. And uh, thanks for being on. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Had an absolute blast.
1: So here's that key takeaway that I promised you. When you listen to Jay talk, you truly get a sense that he is living in gratitude and it's a gratitude that's really refreshing to someone like me that's, uh, that teaches martial arts professionally and is around a lot of teachers and trainers, and you come across people that are, uh, you know, they're, they almost act entitled. So it was really refreshing to talk to Jay to, to, to get that sense that he, um, he really acts with a lot of gratitude, but he also understands the responsibility of every step and every touch that he has. In the martial arts community, especially in grappling with his students or with his athletes or when he does the, uh, the commentating on, uh, on grappling matches or MMA fights. So it, uh, it's something that we should all really aspire to is that level of gratitude. And I really think that uh, Jay really, without trying very hard, it comes out at every single step of the way when we had that conversation. Now listen to Jay and see what he has to say. It
0: took a really long time for me to kind of realize these kind of things. And uh, achievability, that if you really, really put your work and effort and heart into something, that you actually can accomplish something great. Um, I was never a, a great competitor or anything like that. I wasn't from a school that was a lineage of champions or anything like that. Um, So for what I've been, you know, and again, I got to credit all the athletes more than anything, but um, just being able to coach somebody in these crazy situations like ADCC and the PFL with Amanda and who's number one in these different uh, situations and knowing that I, I helped, you know what I mean? Knowing that I helped them Game plan, help them get ready, help them, you're, you know, you're get pe- to You're a piece these,
1: of the success.
0: Yeah, a piece of the, the success. Like, it made me realize that, man, you can achieve, like, great things with just effort, man.